Who are the two people dying with them? Yeah, they're thieves on both sides. And when God looks down, you say, well, God's heart's breaking because of... Fill in that blank, would you? Sin. So He's breaking, His heart's breaking because of all the sin on who? Him. On Jesus. And that's what I used to think, but then I read a devotion the other day that sort of opened my eyes. God's heart's also breaking because of these two people right here. They're minutes from death, and they don't know Him. And he's like, y'all got to come to my son down there because you're going to leave this eternity. You're either going to be with me or be in hell. How many of those thieves get saved? One of them. So it's sort of so much like us. Somebody says yes, somebody says no to the story that we come up with. Well, if you'll remember from um, last night, we uh, talked about so many things, but uh, I gave you a lot of characters up there. And we, uh, once upon a time, and a lot of magical things are... Things that we'd say are make-believe, hard-to-believe, imaginary, oh, just too good to be true. And a lot of people like Alice or Johnny Depp and all the others and Donkey, and those people, yeah, they're make-believe, and people, I just don't believe all those things. Well, you probably are right, because those things, in fact, whenever I hear a story or see a movie that they say based on a true-life account, that sort of grabs my attention, because I know this is not just Hollywood. You've ever seen the movie The Passion? I can only watch it about once or twice. I don't even, uh, it just hurts too much to watch it. First time I ever watched it, it sort of hurt my heart too. I'm sitting there, and they're getting ready to beat Jesus in this movie, and the guy's hunting tools, and, it, and there's one that just looked like a chainsaw there. That it, I thought, if he picks it up, I'm leaving because I can't stand this. They're hurting my Savior. And sometimes you comfort yourself when you watch a movie because you say, at least it's not what? Real. It's not real. Trouble is, the passion is real. And it really did happen. Well, you say, well, that's still Hollywood. I know, but I think the real thing was probably worse than the movie. And so I'm sitting there watching that as they're picking up tools and tears running down my face. And all at once at the other end of the aisle, somebody's down there wrangling popcorn. Did you want some popcorn? I thought, oh, Jesus is getting sick to death and you're eating popcorn. You know, it's just a difference between people, I suppose. Imaginary? Well, that one's real. But all these things are... Imag- Can you all remember Alice and who's... What's Johnny Depp's character? Okay. Yep. And uh, of course, Donkey. And uh, what's this little one up in the top right corner? What's that movie now? Tangled. They go back and get Rapunzel and tell the story. So they, you know, nothing's new under the sun. They just go back and get it on. Hollywood often does that. And then we got in the bottom left corner. That's Doctor Who. What's he got in his hand right there? Well, he is a time traveler. What's he got in his hand? It's called a. It's called a sonic screwdriver. Uh, Yeah, it's a. So welcome to the cartoon time. Last night, does anybody remember our story? We picked one of these characters, put him into it. That was the donkey, and we talked the, the story about the talking donkey, and his name was uh, Balaam. And Balaam was running, uh, trying to do things on his own, and God brought him back. All right. Tonight's story is probably one of the hardest to believe in the Bible. This is the one that somebody would say, that just could not have happened. You say, well, talking donkey is pretty hard to believe. Well, I know, but if talking donkey story, most people don't even know, but even people out there on the street have probably heard of this guy. Let me give you a hint. Here's tonight's story. It's about... Mm, so what's the story about? Jonah. Jonah. This is an actual picture. And so this diver beside this... This is a whale shark, yeah. Now, a whale is not really a fish. A whale's a mammal. But anyway, I won't... Actually, it might have... That large fish. But anyway, I'll get to that. This little guy, this diver beside the fish, if that's an actual picture, raise your hand if you think that fish could swallow that person. So in a way, you say, well, this Bible story is not so hard to believe. It's not? Mm. You don't think it's hard to believe? Well... Let me show you something. Think back to 1925. That was the year that the famous monkey trial, the trial in which a school teacher named John Scopes was taken to court. This happened in the great state of Tennessee. The yard should be famous for this. They call it the monkey trial. John Scopes was a teacher. He got in trouble for teaching the theory of Evolution is like, you can't do that. We're so much into creation. You can't talk about evolution. It's funny, I think we've reversed times now. If I talk about creation, I'd probably get into trouble. By the way, it's 
Time's changing, huh? The media at the time saw this as a grand opportunity to make Christians and Southerners look foolish and backward. The trial wasn't really scripture, wasn't really the Scopes versus Tennessee, but secular thought versus Christianity. Scopes lost the trial, but secular thought won, or so everybody believed. Let me tell you about the trial. One of the participants in the trial was a politician, William Jennings Bryan, who later started Bryan College. He had served in the Senate as a Secretary of State, as a three-time Democratic presidential candidate. Brown was also a committed Christian. And he said in the witness box, John Scope's lawyer, the great Clarence Darrow, grilled him. The wily Darrow, very much the secular man, tried to make Brian look foolish. He's trying to think of a question that would really make William Jennings Bryan look sort of dumb. So he picked out of our Bible, of all the stories, he picked the story of Jonah to sort of make him look foolish. So he came over and he said, Mr. Bryan, am I to understand that you believe that a whale swallowed Jonah? William Jennings Bryan very confidently said, no. He says, you mean, didn't the Bible say that a whale swallowed Jonah? He says, no, the Bible didn't say a whale swallowed Jonah. Oh, he says, the whale said a large fish swallowed Jonah. Since I'm on trial, I've got to say, the Bible says large fish, not whale. Of course, to that, everybody laughed as if, oh, so you're an expert in the Bible. And he continued just about ripping him apart. By the way, William Jennings Bryan won that case, and John Scopes, they found him. Yeah, he was guilty. But the thing about it was, I was reading something else. William Jennings Bryan, they said, later suffered about like a stroke. He went through that, that trial just took it out. It changed his life. But he was put on trial for believing a story that I'm going to tell you tonight is absolutely true. So just think if a lawyer pulled you in right now and said, you mean you actually believe this story Edgar's about to tell you? Absolutely, because God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. I heard a preacher say one time a long time ago, this guy says, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And I says, you know, you can really improve on that. And I'm thinking, how could you improve? He said, oh, God said it, and that settles it. Would you believe it or not? Right, Dave? If God says it, you might believe it and you might not, but it doesn't matter. If the Word of God says it, then it's true. So this story I'm about to tell you is true. I'm going to find you and put you into this story today. How hard is that? Well, you'll see. Now, if you believe that this story about Jonah, a little man and a large fish could really happen, I've asked you, you say, well, I do believe that. I do believe that this story could really happen. But I wish I could get a hold of the Clarence Darrows of the world and just tear them apart and say, you tried to make William Jennings Bryant look stupid because you said the story of a little man and a large fish could never have happened because it's in the Bible. Well, I'll tell you what, if I could find a story similar to this that wasn't in the Bible, would you believe it? Well, to some people in the world, they would say what? Sure, if it's not in the Bible, I believe it. That just shows you prejudice against the Bible. So if you think, hmm... There's another response then. Let me give you this story. According to Star of the East, a whaling ship in February of 1891, a crew member named James Bartley, first time he's ever been on a whale ship. He wanted to go whaling. So James Bartley in the waters off the Falkland Islands near South America, they went whaling. Bartley was one of the several men let down into the long boats off the big boat to go out there and start looking for whales. And all at once, after being quiet on the water, you can tell some of the experts, they were cool, they were just bouncing along. James Bartley's probably like, and then all at once, boom, here comes the big whale coming up through here, and throws their boat up into the air, and wide open, he comes back down. One of the other sailors harpoons him, and they finally start working with him and end up, the whale is sure enough, harpooned, he's killed. They bring him up on the boat and then uh, they start cutting up pieces of the whale. They finally get to the stomach of the whale and it's moving. I think, this is weird. The whale's stomach's moving. I've heard of mine growling and rumbling, but this is the whale. So the doctor very carefully cuts open this and according to, some people say, I don't believe that's a legend. Other people say it's true. I'm inclined to believe this one too. They carefully cut open the whale's stomach, and guess what they find in 
This man named James Bartley. You guessed it. Real stomach was hauled onto the deck. The crew noticed it was moving slightly. The ship's doctor cuts it open. And there's James Bartley, curled up, unconscious, but still alive. He had been in the whale for, some people say, 15 hours. Another book said 32 hours, whatever. The whale's digestive juices had removed all the hair from his body. Okay. I've never been in a whale. Bleached his skin white, and he was also nearly blind. Stomach acid is very powerful stuff. Hmm. Nearly a month after James fully regained his senses, he recalls being shot into the air when that whale surfaced. The whale's mouth opened. He said, when I was falling, I went straight into his mouth. I was drug across his teeth. Then it slid down the beast esophagus, lost consciousness because of the lack of oxygen. And here's the ironic thing. It was his first ever whaling expedition. Do you think it was his last? Yes. Absolutely. He says, I never want to go out there and be close to whales again. According to James Bartley, it can happen. According to God's Word, mm, yeah, it can happen. So have I made a believer out of you yet? Well, we've got to look at Jonah, and you can find out a few things about Jonah. If you got the book of Jonah, you say, where is it? It's in the Bible, trust me. But if you want to, it's close to Jonah, Micah, Nahum. Nahum is a very tiny prophet, and then gets in. I'll tell you what, it'd be easier. Find Matthew in the Bible. Find Matthew. It's first book of the New Testament. And then from Matthew you go to your left and you'll find here's Matthew. Yeah, circle back and then you'll see a few books, you know, like Malachi and then Zechariah and then Habakkuk, yes. And then you'll get over to Micah. And there is uh yeah, there's Jonah. Jonah's only four books. You wanna learn something about Jonah tonight? Here we go. Check out this next thing then. I'm gonna give you a few Items about Jonah that I hope you see. Let's read God's Word. The Word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amity, and God said, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Let me translate that a little bit for you. God calls on a prophet named Jonah. It'd be like a preacher. and says, I want you to go have a revival in Nineveh. You good to go with that? God said, Go. Jonah said, No. Next verse. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Let me catch you a couple things about Jonah. Jonah, just figure this story out. Most of you have heard Jonah before. I'm going to probably tell you something tonight that maybe you've never thought of before. I hope so. See, I get burdened for you too. It's like, Lord, what can I do to make this story clear? He says, you just give it to him. I'll do the working on the hearts. I love that because unless the Father draws you, I can't do a thing. It's not my clever words. It's not my stories. It's not anything else. I want to be used by God, but Jesus right now is beginning to work on some of you. You say, you know what? I think I come to camp this week for a reason and God's starting to work. I mean, he's speaking to me. Good. Try to picture yourself. Forget about the whole camp right now. Forget about home. Forget about everything else. And picture, this is, what if Jesus would take us home tomorrow morning? You say, well, I wish I'd have paid attention in chapel a little bit better. What if Jesus comes back tomorrow? Then you better be ready tonight. John said in Revelation, even so, Lord Jesus, come on. It's like I am ready to go. So Jesus might very well come back. I pray that he speaks to your heart right now. So watch this. Here's you in the story of Jonah. Does this describe you? Little descriptions. Jonah. Fire up in the book of Jonah. God says, I want you to go somewhere. Jonah instead turns and goes the other way. What's Jonah doing right here? He's getting on a boat and he's paying a fare. Here's what I thought was cool about this story. And you'll say, I do see myself in this story. But be honest with me. Don't talk to friends. Don't get disrupted. Really, because God's going to speak to your heart. Now watch this. The number one thing about Jonah I like, you know, at least he's honest, but he fled, he fled from God. So God says go. Jonah says no. So God says go to, where did he say go to? Nineveh. He goes to Joppa. I'd show you a little map. It's almost like opposite directions. That'd be like me saying, I want you guys to go to Knoxville. And instead you go to Roanoke, where we're going in the opposite direction of 81, three, four, five hours away. Matter of fact, if I said, I want you to go down to Nashville, Tennessee, and you go to New York. Well, okay, we're starting to go the opposite. That's what Jonah does. He flees from God. Now, the first thing, you say, well, you haven't described me yet because I never ran from God. Chris, you ever run from God? Tell the truth. Absolutely. If you're honest, you'll say, yep, I have. Because here's what you do when you run from God. He says to do a certain thing, and you say, mm, I don't really want to. It's like a little kid. You know, we talk about once upon a time, and I tell you a little bedtime story, or we tell you an imaginary story. Well, little kids will do this game sometimes. You try to tell your sister something and make it go, la, 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 like I can't hear you. We do that to God in a way. 
So God says, Jonah, I want you to go do something. He takes off and goes the other way. But watch what Jonah does. So he's run away from God. He does not want to do what God wants him to do. Jonah is beginning to run. He's really trying to hide. There you go. 19, Luke 19.10 says, Jesus came to seek and to what? Save that which was lost. So Jesus comes to seek and Jonah's trying to hide. Guess what game they're playing? They're playing hide and go seek. Now welcome to children's time again. So Jonah's going to hide. God's seeking him out. And God says, oh, why are you doing this? Let me have to come after you. So he's going to go after his servant. Jonah flees. Number two right here, the Bible says this. He went down to the port and he did this. He paid something. He paid the fare. That means he bought himself a ticket. Is he honest? Is he? Yes, he is. You say, okay, that doesn't describe Let me seek it in a little bit deeper. How come some of you do something so well and the other thing you sort of, mm, I don't know if I want to do that. So God says, Chris, I want you to do this, but well, I don't want to do that. Jonah, would you like to be used by me? Absolutely. You want to be a minor prophet? That's what he was. About. Absolutely. You want to go to share your faith? I will. Would you like to go to Tarshish? No. And he goes the other way. And then he gets down to the boat running from God. Oh, here, let me make sure I pay my fare. Isn't that funny to you? I mean, it's like you're running from God and yet... You, let me put it in a way you'll understand. Bank robber goes in, mask on, pulls the mask over, goes up to the teller. Give me all the money! And you say what? No. No! <laughs> Give me all the money. Hold on. And you're sorting it out. Okay, I'm already... I'm robbing the bank and I've killed you and then I... <laughs> pistol pit and you know put him in there and then I walk out I get into the car slam the door <laughs> now I'm speeding and I pull up to a traffic light go wouldn't want to why did I give a signal because I want to do what's right I shot and killed two people rob a bank speed and then make sure you give that signal before you go I don't want to get in trouble with the law that's like us sometimes though yeah, you walk into your sister. Cats across the street. We're mean to everybody. Rip off our little brother's head. Mom says to do something, and mom woke up. Ah, you know, those after looks as your mom's wife. If she had out of the back of her head, she'd see a different you. And yet we'll go to church on Sunday. I love God. If God could just step in there, he'd say, liar, liar. Well, no, your pants won't be on fire because you're going to heaven if you're saved. But normally they would be if you're going to hell. But anyway, uh, God sort of grabs your attention on certain things. How come you don't give Him all your heart? So what you're doing, you're sort of like, I coached a long time, about 20 years, and I do the same thing. Here's what I need you to do, and I'll spell out my rules, and some people pick some rules, and others they don't. We're just like God. God, I'll serve you this way, but mm, not that way. Jonah's running. He's making sure. Let me pay the fare. And then he gets onto the boat. He's running from God. I would just be eating my fingernails, and it's like, he's going to catch me. Jonah doesn't care. He goes down to the boat. You know what he's doing? We're going to find out in the story. Here's the next thing. He's fleeing from God. He pays the fare. Everything's fine. He goes down to the bottom of the boat and falls asleep. That's how worried he is. You say, well, how's he got such peace? I don't think he has peace. I, I would be a nervous wreck, right? He's just down in the boat sleeping. Now, if God was a babysitter about this time, and the kid, terrible too, he's two years old, he's just being mean as a snake. It's about, you know, you try to be kind to kids after a while, but you've got to say no to certain, well, he's going to grab a can, okay, and he's going to do this. Oh, kids load the machine gun, I'm going to kill, oh, oh, we've got to stop him right there. We can let him do certain things, but you can't let, Jonah is about to get stopped by God. God has let him run, he's let him go down to the boat. He's let him pay the fare. He goes down almost as an insult and falls asleep in the bottom of the boat. And God says, okay, I'm going to have to get his attention right here. Will God supernaturally do something? No, he's not going to create a huge whale to come back. Will's already alive. I think God just caught one of these creatures. He accused the whale. Ready over there, large fish. That's what the Bible calls it. Large fish. Large fish is more than than everything, everybody over here. Okay, watch this storm. And the sailors are down there. Dun, 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 dun. The sailors are just having a great old swab in the deck, tattoo on their arm, mother. You know, they're just having a great old time. And all at once, God, they don't even know what's going on. When God, like that, and here comes this big, wow. Anyway, um, a storm's coming. You can hear the bottles rattling already. Okay, a storm hit. And some of these hard-headed sailors actually say this. They probably, I know there's got to be somewhere on that boat that says, it's okay, the storm will blow over. And then the rain starts, and okay, maybe it won't. 
This is sort of scary. And they're almost embarrassed. You've been there before. Tell the truth. You have. You have been here before. They're embarrassed to say to their friends how they feel. Chris, can I pick on you again? You ever done that? I'm going to really pick on Chris. Watch it. Chris, you don't mind us. Chris, have you ever looked at something, read something that you shouldn't have? Yeah. I'm going to surprise Chris. He said, oh, he's, he's telling Chris a secret. Chris, have you ever turned on a computer at any time in your life and ever looked at something you shouldn't have looked at? He's a liar. No, I just got no, no. Okay, now watch it. She said, boy, you are really ragging on Chris. I'm going to suddenly make Chris feel a little bit better and I hope everybody in here does. Chris, I have too. Now, how does it make you feel? He's sad that he did it. But what? I'm not in this alone. I just now showed you something. Some of you are sitting there going, nobody knows what I do at the house. Yeah, God does. But He won't forgive me. Yes, He will. A woman was caught in adultery in John chapter 8. She was flung before Jesus. And people said, what are we going to do? Stone her? And Jesus said, He looks up at these people. I never saw this story. In this, in, and I read this a couple weeks ago. These people caught this woman, throw her in front, and she's just like you and I when we, we feel we've done something wrong. When mom or dad catches doing something wrong, here's the Pharisees have caught this woman doing something wrong. And then so the Pharisees look at her and say, what should we do with them? What should we do? Kill her. Well, that's what the law of Moses says. And Jesus says, here's my answer. He stoops and writes in the ground. I think for the first time all the eyes went off the woman and on to Jesus. And just for a moment, she sort of doesn't feel stared at and feel condemned. Finally, all the people start walking off, and Jesus says, "If you, without sin or rock, if I made that offer to you in here right now, you're making fun of Jonah. Boy, that Jonah's running from God. I'm a lot better than he is. Oh, really? If you've never ran from God, if you've never ignored God, if you've never done anything wrong, then you go ahead and chuck a big rock at Jonah. I have a feeling everybody in here would go, I can't throw a rock because I'm as guilty as he is. I haven't ran down, got on the boat and ran from him, but I've ignored him, I've denied him, I've sat there when I'm at school. Do you go to church? Cool. You know, sometimes. You go every Sunday. Tell them that. No, I better not. I might be embarrassed. Oh, see, you like Jonah, aren't you? You're running. Well, I didn't think of it that way. Then think of it that way. And Jesus says, I don't condemn you. He didn't condemn the woman, but he says, go and sin no more. Yes, I want you cleaner, but I don't condemn you. He came to seek and to save people like you and me, sinners. So it's all right. We're who he's looking for. So here's Jonah. Jonah flees from God. Hmm. Pays the fare. He goes down. Everything's fine. He's falling asleep. And suddenly, here's what's cool. I love this one. The storm hits. All the sailors... They go to each other. They're sort of scared. But I'm getting scared of this storm. Yeah, did you see that last lightning? I went another lightning. Ah! I can just imagine this sailor. You know, grown man, tattoos right there. Yeah, I'm going to stand up. And he goes out there on the mast of the ship. Give me that golf club. Go ahead. No! And he comes down on her. This is crazy. We're going to die. And he goes over to this big old tough part. And he goes, we're going to die. No, I don't. Both of them going like that grown man, scared to death like little girls. you got to be strong. Smacks him in the face, gets his attention. He says, we're going to get out of this. Well, where's that guy that went down and paid the fare? Go down and get him. So they go down and they wake Jonah up. Jonah, we're fearful. We're scared to death. How can you sleep? Well, I don't know. I just closed my eyes. He says, wake up. There's a storm going on. Let's read this in the Bible. Watch this. Jonah ran from God, headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he's honest, sail for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. The Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Since I'm saved, I guess I don't mind it. I love to go out on my screen in back porch and just storms hitting, you know, lightning hit. This is so cool. It's still a little scary. A sudden violent storm arose. The ship gets tossed up and watches. The Bible says it's threatened to break up. It might just snap into all the sailors, not just two or three. Now the whole group gets together and says, we're going to die. This could be our very last day together. All the sailors were afraid. and Each one cried out to his own God. Please listen to this right here. You're going to miss something. All the sailors were afraid. Each cried out to his own God. Were they religious? No. Yeah, they were. They got a God. Were they saved? No. no. 
They weren't saved, but they were religious. Welcome to America. Welcome to people at your school. If I went up and said, are you a Christian? Absolutely. I was born in America. Doesn't make you a Christian. I've been baptized. You're cleaner, but that doesn't really make you a Christian either. Well, I've got a Sunday school pen, perfect attendance. Great, you're not a Christian. No, unless, here's what I hope you'll answer. I've asked Jesus in my life. I'm a sinner. He's a Savior. I need to be forgiven. I believe He came, died on the cross, was buried and rose again the third day. He's in heaven now offering me the free gift of eternal life. Would you like a free gift? And I want to be a new person in Christ Jesus. That's the answer. I like. No, I went to Sunday school. I went pretty good. I only cuss a few times in a week. Right? You're trying to justify being religious. These people cried out to their own God. Now, let me show you how desperate they are. If you've got your Bible open, verse 5, they're so desperate. What do they get paid to do? They get paid to transport cargo down the road, down the sea. They're so desperate, they're tossing the cargo over, overboard. Well, if you're getting rid of the cargo, that means you don't get money. That means your whole day is might as well then. That's sort of like me going out to fish. I catch a bunch of fish, put it on the boat, and then the boat, I toss all my fish back in. I'm scared. You just lost your day's wages right there. You're tossing cargo into the sea. They don't care about getting paid. They just care about living. You say, well, if they're going to die, why do they look to God? If they're going to die, why do they get look to God? Let me give you this little thought. There is a man in the Civil War. I don't know if you've ever heard of him before. For some reason, he's a general. And they said he rode into battle all the time, never really giving thought to dying. Hmm. Oh, well, he's brave. Anyway, he rode into battle all the time, never really giving thought to dying. I don't know, you've probably never heard of him, but here's a story. General William Nelson was a Union, Union general in the Civil War. Though he faced death every day, he never appeared to worry. He was never prepared for his own death, although he was prepared for battle. Who knows what he was thinking as he rode into battle after battle. Maybe he was too busy staying alive to prepare for death, but he never talked about death, was never worried. All that changed, however, one day as he was relaxing in his house, far away from the battlefield with all his men. Suddenly a brawl broke out. Shows you what drinking might get you. They get a little bit tipsy. A brawl breaks out. They get into a fight. Somebody pulls out a gun and shoots General William Nelson in the chest. Knowing he was dying, he has one request. Quick, go get a preacher. Hi, Chris. What do you need a preacher there for? He's probably not saved. Now, let me read you the rest. What happened? Why the urgency now? Did the general suddenly learn something about God that he'd never known? No, he knows about God. Did he learn something about himself? Well, he learned that he was scared to die. He realized death was so near that suddenly only one thing mattered, making sure he was ready before he did die. So he wants a clergyman to explain how to get to heaven. Oh, so now it's serious. These sailors are now serious. Death is knocking at the door. They wake John up. They're so desperate. Here's a total stranger. What should we do? It shows you're desperate. Here's sailors who make a living on the sea going, what do you think we ought to do? Get up. Pray to your God. We're praying to our God. Who are you praying to? Molech, Kenan, Kenan. They're just playing to any imaginary God that they can get their hand up. And says, Jonah, why don't you get up and pray? Here's what Jonah, I love this, John was down below on the deck. He was falling asleep. Captain went in and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of us and we will not perish. The sailors then said to each other, Come, let us cast lots. Let us figure out this. Talk to the... Oh, found out it was Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What did you do? Why? If you say this is your fault, he nods, What in the world did you... Are you a killer? Did you rob a bank? Did you forget to give a signal? I mean, what crime did you commit? Oh, I'm running from God and He's after me. Oh, thanks for getting on our ship. <laughs> Thank you. It's like you're in McDonald's running from out. I come in with a machine gun. <laughs> People are sitting there eating a the Big Mac. <gasps> and you're hiding underneath. What are you doing? That killer, he's looking for me. Please don't hide under our table. Go on, go, go over. I'm going to get shot because he's looking for you. These sailors, Jonah, why did you get on our boat? I don't know. I just want to get off. Jonah says, well, I've... Honest, honest Jonah. Well, here's the solution. 
He answered, I love it. He's point blank in their face. I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. I am a worshiper of the true God of heaven. In other words, I'm a Christian. Thanks, Jonah. So you know the true God? Yeah, all these gods y'all talking to, I don't want to hurt. Good news, bad news. Good news, I know the real God. Bad news, all these gods y'all talking to are false. <laughs> you mean our prayers aren't answered? No, y'all dead in the water. <laughs> well, would you tell your God to save us? Well, I guess I can if you want me to. Please tell him, because we're going to die. Okay, I've got the solution. If you'll pick me up and throw me into the sea, the storm will calm down because it's me that he's after. Sound like a good idea to me. <laughs> the other sailor says, no, we can't give up. We've got to keep trying. Have you lost your mind? We're going to drown. Let's try harder. Okay, and the Bible gives this amazing account. The sailors kept rowing harder before they threw Jonah over. That reminds me of me too. God's after me. He's after me. And He's after you. And we won't give in, which is what we should do. And we get convicted. Sometimes. I need to get to heaven and I know I need to ask Jesus. I, I'll go to Sunday school next week. I won't get you to heaven. I'll be baptized. I'll help an old lady across the street. I'll work harder. I won't kick the cat towards Grandma anymore. I'll be kind. I'll plant a rose in memory of whoever. But I mean, I'll, I'll work and try to get to heaven. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourself is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness. I don't care how good you are, you will never get to heaven off your works. These sailors are working. I love this part too. If you could just have a little background scene watch this story happen. God's giving them a storm and they're putting those oars in the water going. What they're really saying is, God, we're going to fight against you, God. We're going to row out of this storm and we'll, we'll do it without your help. So they put those oars handle about this long. Oars gone. Flying back through there. God says, you want to keep this up? We can do this the easy way. Or I can send another big storm. Don't send. Cut the next oar. It's gone. Jonah, that idea of throwing you over, it's looking better and better because we ain't going to row out of this mess. A big wave hits and <clears throat> covers you up. So they go over and get Jonah. He probably gets up on the edge of the boat. I can just dive in if you want me to. Okay, I don't care, but it's like one, two. I'm sorry, we messed up the count. Pick him up again. Gets him right over here. Big boat like this. Can you imagine this? And God might be having some fun now. Sends the boat high just for the... I'm sorry. Oh, please throw me over. You're going to kill me. All right, finally they throw him over the board. Calms down. Waves stop. All these people go, you are real. And you are God. And this storm just... They drop to their knees and they ask forgiveness. And the Bible says this after they rode their hardest to get back to land. Oh, Lord, please forgive us for killing an innocent man, but we've got to throw him over. They tossed him over. The sea gets calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows to him. I think that crew right there got saved. God even made good things come out of a bad thing. Here's the big old storm. These sailors got right with God. Well, he says, that sounds like a pretty good story. What happens to Jonah? God hadn't forgot him yet. Okay. Jonah's out there in the water now, fighting for his life. <laughs> Sailors calm. They just keep on going, See you, Jonah. You know, they keep on. <laughs> now Jonah's out there, but God hadn't forgot his little child. Jonah, you're running from me, like we are. And he says, I'm going to get you. God, why are you so mean to me? God's not mean to you. <laughs> are you mean to someone when you're trying to help them? No. Well, he sure helps Jonah in a sudden. Jonah brought this on himself. Don't point your finger in God's face. Now, have I ever seen a big old fish or been swallowed? I've been scared in the water before. I've been scared for my son Andy. I'd... There's very few people. The Bible says that scarcely would a righteous man die for another righteous man, but Jesus loves us, and while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Well, Andy's a righteous person. I'm a... I don't want to die for him if I have to. When we went down to Florida and they put us into this, and they thought it's a little snorkel. You know, you got a little snorkel right here, got a little. We're flying. I like this. Here comes my little son. He's 28 now. He's back when he was about seven or eight. He's coming up beside me. I thought this is cool. See, look, we're in there with live fish. Y'all seen those things? You know, you can snorkel. And here comes a little fish. Hmm, colorful. Here comes a noodle. No, I didn't do that. That's a fish sandwich. No, I just kidding. Here comes another little fish. It's cool. And here comes one. I looked over. It's a shark. <laughs> 
know, just wet the pool. No, I didn't do that. I wasn't that scared. Here comes a shark guy, and he gets close to my son. I'm going, they didn't tell me there'd be sharks in the water. And I thought, I, I go in slow motion. But I, I got way over here, and I got in between the shark. I was trying to push Andy away. It's like, let me take the shark. I'll probably bite my face off, but it's okay. At least Andy will live. And, Maybe a tombstone will be out there. Died saving his son. Anyway, it's like, here comes... And the shark... I was nervous. I got up close. You can feel your heart racing. Check your And it's like... And then you go over and you realize the water's only about like this. Now we're getting shallow. And there's the people at the end. Lifeguards got this over. And they said, uh, you okay? You never told me there's sharks in there. I said, oh, it's a milk shark. It's not going to hurt you. It looks like a real thing, but it's no big deal. Don't be scared about that. Thanks for telling me. It's a real fist. And it is going to hurt you. No, I didn't say it. It scared me to death. I saw a shark go by. So everybody's been scared of water. You don't have the time you drive off and you think you're going to drown. Welcome to chapter 2. Jonah thinks he's going to drown. I've done that before too. You dive off, hit that water, and come back up. I had it timed out one day at a pool and went, I was sucking up air as soon as I hit the surface. I did that, practiced again. Perfect. I was back in high school doing this stuff. I dove off the next time, had him down. I was blowing out. Now start sucking air right here. It's perfect. Impressing all the girls. Yeah. 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 Then I dove off the next time. Bad. You know, you hit the water. Just float over here like this. Put your arm back on. I was hurting. Now I thought, let me try it again. And I dove and I just went really deep, deeper than I had the first few times. And I went, blew all my air out. I wasn't to the surface yet. Matter of fact, I was about eight feet below the surface. I was now starting to suck in water. I could see those lights just pass by real quick. It's a mini feature. But anyway, I saw everything just fly by, and I was sucking in water about right here. And well, right through that. I was really impressing people then. Save him. He's drowning. So it's like I was spitting up water. I finally got over to the side of the pool and go, I thought I was going to drown. And I mean, I was serious. Of course, your friends being caring and loving there. You know, they laughed the whole time I was drowning. I was, I was really thinking, this could be it. You say, oh, I've never had a moment like that. Well, then maybe you're too young to have, but you've had a scary moment. Is Jonah like that? Absolutely. Jonah is now drowning and dying. They say some scholars think seaweed is engulfing, and the more he fights, the more he's being pulled down. And Jonah's like me. He's given everlast. He's fighting just like this. Let me row. I don't need God's help. I'm all right. And he's fighting, and he's getting cut by the kelp and the seaweed, and he's getting lower and lower. And he's like this. And there goes everything going fast. And he's getting lightheaded, and here it goes. And he's probably thinking, why didn't I just do what God wanted me to do? And with his last ounce, I just have a feeling it's this close. He's going, there goes the water going into his face. And he thinks they're going to find a, a body floating around on the top. And all at once, hey, I'm breathing. I'm saved. Little bit does he know. Got some good news and bad news. Good news, you're not going around. Bad news, you're in a large fish. Imagine Jonah taking out, flicks on the lighter. Sees a little hangy down part in the back of the large fish's throat. Hmm, this don't look good. <laughs> Maybe he takes the lighter and holds it up. <laughs> this is not good. I went from drowning. He says, now I am going to die. And Jonah comes up with finally something. He's fleed from a God. He plays his fair. He's fearful. He does the facts. He tells them who he is. But finally he decides to turn to God and ask something. Ask forgiveness. Isn't it amazing we're, we're about to die, so now we're going... Here's Jonah's words. From inside the fish, Jonah prays to the Lord his God, and he says, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help. I think he was praying as he was going down to the bottom. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, in the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight. Not much hope. Now watch what he says. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Maybe he just thought he was going to go on home to glory that day. 
The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. From to the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me bored me forever. But you brought my life up out of the pit. Hmm, sounds like a sinner right there coming home. I don't know what your life was like before Christ, but it's some of us have actually... You say, well, I just got saved when I was a little kid and I didn't notice it that much. You brought my life up out of the pit, O oh Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. He probably remembered back to the sailors praying to their false gods because listen to this next little part of his prayer. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace. You can have it good, and instead you just you sort of just cling to things that don't really matter. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, I'm going to sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. It's about time. Salvation comes from the Lord. Acts 4.12 says there is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved and that of the name of Jesus Christ. He says, salvation is from the Lord. And the Lord, at this, God forgives Jonah. Since Jonah says, God, it's all about you. Please forgive me. I'll do what you want me to do. And God's up there in heaven going, okay, you're forgiven. And at that, the Lord commanded the fish to... Jonah, Jonah back up on shore. Now, some Bible scholars say that Jonah's about like this guy named James Bartley. They said when he witnessed from then on, his skin might have been whiter, his hair gone, his skin bleached, because that gastric acid would just start eating you. Matter of fact, he probably had some scars. He probably looked a little ugly, disfigured. He probably looked like somebody that you on a mean day would probably make fun of. Let me tell you about making fun of people. I taught at a Christian school one time. Well, nobody makes fun of you at a Christian school. Yeah. I taught at a Christian school for 10 years and we had a chapel one day and they brought in a guy. His name was Sam. He was from a shepherd's home up in Maryland. And that's a school really for slow learners. Some people would say he was retarded. That's not being mean. It's or educationally challenged. But you watch this. Those Christian kids that day in that Christian school were put in their place really quick making fun of this guy. And I just felt so bad. I wanted to punch some of them. He said, boy, you're mean. I'm sorry. I still wanted to punch him. I was standing out one, you know, first or second row of chapel and some kids were behind me. This guy came up. I'm from the Shepherd's Home in Maryland. Introduced his work. He says, I want to invite one of the people that stay up there on the campus with us. Says, Come on in. And uh, this is Sam. Uh, I'm just going to interview Sam and just let you know a little bit about him. And Sam started speaking, and it's funny how if you're not really close to Jesus, you laugh at people, and if you're close to him, your heart breaks, like that Paul stuff back there for you. And he says, okay, and your name is what? My, my, my name is Sam. Everybody starts laughing. Sam, how long have you been at the shepherd's home? Oh, my God. Let me speak for him. Five, five years? I'm just sitting there. People are like, just laughing at him. I want to just turn out and shut your face. That's what I felt like doing, but I can't do that. You said I would have been wrong acting that way too. He continues with Sam. Well, Sam, tell us what's the best thing that's ever happened to you. I have Jesus as my Savior. Suddenly the crowd's a little bit less, but they're still laughing at him. Well, Sam, do you read God's Word? Oh, yes. Everybody's laughing again. Well, Sam, tell everyone here, how many Bible verses do you know from memory? 500. You could have heard a pin drop. I thought, y'all going to laugh at Sam anymore? If he's retarded, what are you? You know, that's what I... Because... Make fun of old Sam up here and he's got about 500 verses down to memory. He can quote the book of James. You want to make fun of him anymore? I didn't think so. Your life verse and the guys behind me, you know, the ones that laugh, they're the horrible ones. Their life verse is John 11:35. Jesus wept. You know, that's the only one they've got down to memory so far. And Sam's up here just quoting God. And from then on, it's a better chapel because people quit laughing and they realize this guy's for real. 
But he was sort of disfigured. He was all gnarled up. Don't you just want to pull for the underdog when somebody's like that? <clears throat> then you'll appreciate this. Ashley Kiddo writes this. A beautiful illustration of grace and loving the unlovely came my way this week. Even as I was writing this chapter, in between the composition of the two paragraphs above, I received a phone call from a friend of mine named Kenny. He and his family had just returned from Disney World. And in Disney World, it's a lot of things you want to see. They've got a lot of great things, but some of the characters are really what we go to see. Now, are all of them good? I don't know. Any you want to run through this? Go with it. Was he disfigured? No. No, Jonah looks good. But we changed from Jonah that well, because Jonah was rescued almost like magically. No, it wasn't magic, it was God's grace. But let me show you this story right here. It's almost like magic, but Max writes of something. He changes the once upon a time story of Cinderella into something of grace, just like Jonah. Now check this out. Cinderella's running down you. There's the magic kingdom behind her. She's racing off and she drops her slipper and we're supposed to go back and pick that up. No, she's too... Because she's got to hurry and get home because things will change and go back to the old way of life. This beautiful girl named Cinderella right there. Max tells his story of his friend Kenny when he calls and he says this. Max, I want to tell you a story. He and his family had just returned from Disney World. He said, I saw a sight I'll never forget and I just want you to know about it. He and his family were inside Cinderella's castle. Right back there it is. And he was in Cinderella's castle and he, it was packed with kids and parents and suddenly all the children rushed to one side because this beautiful lady right here walked in. He says, boy, she was typecast perfectly. Cinderella, the pristine princess. Kenny said she was perfectly typecast, a gorgeous young girl with each hair in place, flawless skin, a beaming smile. She stood waist deep in a garden of kids, each wanting just to go out and, and touch her. And say, oh, Cinderella! And so she was kind and she was speaking to one. And for some reason, his friend Kenny, Max writes, is, uh, he says, Kenny turned and looked toward the other side of the castle. And it was now vacant except for one little boy, maybe seven or eight years old. His age was hard to determine because of the disfigurement of his body. Dwarfed in height, face deformed, he stood watching quietly and wistfully holding the hand of an older brother. Mm. Don't you know what he wanted? He wanted to be with the children. He longed to be in the middle of the kids reaching for Cinderella, calling her by name, but can't you just feel his fear? Fear, just like Jonah had, I'm dying. Like the sailors fear, like you have fear right now. What will people think? Fear of yet another rejection. Can a God really love me? Can a God really forgive me? That's what you think. Well, can't you feel this boy's little, little heart? Fear of yet another rejection. Fear of being taunted again, made fun of, like my story about Sam there from the shepherd's home. He's going to be mocked. Kids will laugh and get away from me, you old ugly. He's thinking, I'm going to have to go through that like I do sometimes in my life, and I don't want to hear it again but I just wish I could touch Cinderella. Don't you wish Cinderella would just go to him? And guess what? According to his friend's story, she did. Cinderella looks across the room, notices the little boy. She immediately began walking in his direction, politely but firmly inching her way through the crowd of children. She finally broke free. She walked quickly across the floor, got down, knelt at eye level with the stunned little boy, and reached over put a kiss on his cheek, and then got back up. That little boy's smiling from ear to ear. You, you saw me? Yes. She places a kiss on his face. His friend Kenny says, I thought you would appreciate that story. I did. It reminded me of one you and I have been studying. We've talked about somebody running. But Jesus did more than Cinderella. So much more. Cinderella gave a kiss. When she stood to leave, she took her beauty with her. The boy was still, you know, the same way he was when she came to him. What if Cinderella had done what Jesus did? What if she had assumed his stake? What if she had somehow given him her beauty and taken on his disfigurement? Well, guess what? That's what Jesus does for us. He took our suffering on him and felt our pain so that we wouldn't have to. 
He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for the iniquity of all of us. The punishment of all of us was put on him by God when he died on the cross. Make no mistake, it's a beautiful story about this girl named Cinderella. God, through Jesus, gives more than a kiss. He gives beauty. He paid more than a visit. He paid for our sins. And He took more than a minute. He takes our sins away for eternity. So the beautiful story of Cinderella goes to a beautiful story of the cross. Now the hard part. Are you Jonah? Think well, sort of. I need to come running. I'm honest. Hey, don't give me that because Jonah was honest. He paid the fare. He said, it's my fault. We need you to be more than just honest. We need you to come to Jesus and ask forgiveness. Well, why do I have to do that? Because God wants to look at you forgiven. Well, I've got some sins. Well, then let's ask forgiveness. Well, God won't forgive me. Yes, He will. How do you know that? First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, that means you agree with it wrong. If we confess our sins, I agree God with you, it's wrong. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wash us clean. When's the last time you were clean? You say, well, it's been a while. Well, then let's talk to God. We call that prayer, the privilege of prayer. Would you bow your head, close your eyes, and I'm going to pray for us. I get to lead us, but I'm going to ask God to speak to your heart. Jesus, Jonah had probably some ugly scars that he never forgot. Just because he was in the belly of that fish for a few hours. We read a story about James Bartley tonight that even shows that that can happen in modern day. And Jesus, there's some people in this room that sort of have scars. They have things that are they think are ugly. And they've hurts they've went through. But yet, Jesus, I'm talking to you. And now through my faith, I can speak... You're seated at the right hand of the throne of God the Father in heaven. In my faith, I just know that you're there and you listen to my prayer. So Jesus, you had scars. And you know what it's like to be hurt. So these people that are listening to me pray right now don't have to feel like they're all by themselves. No one understands. If anybody does, you do. Jesus, thanks for the scars you had on Calvary that you uh, had people drive nails through your hands and feet to hang for six hours from nine in the morning till three in the afternoon. And why you had to do that? Well, God needed a sacrifice and you volunteered. And since you volunteered, we don't have to. We don't have to sacrifice. You already are our sacrifice. But we've got to receive that free gift through faith. So right now somebody's probably struggling. Oh, Jesus, I don't know what to do. It's very simple. I urge you, uh, listen to me right now. Would you just in simple faith say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I want my life to change when you come into my heart, my life, and make me the person you want to be. Change me. Would you forgive me of all my sins and make me a new person? And if that's your prayer right now, Jesus will answer that because he came to seek and to save those who are lost. So maybe you're running like a Jonah. Maybe you're just ignoring what God's telling you to do. But it's time to come home and just say, all right, Jesus, this is it. Would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? Would you be my Savior? Maybe some of you say, well, I know Jesus. I'm just sort of away from Him. Well, it's time to be like John and say, Lord, forgive me. You heard my cries, so now make me forgiven, cleansed, and back close to you. Maybe that's you. So, Lord, in the stillness and quietness of a moment, would we open our hearts to you. In your name I pray.